What is going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Boom Boom Performance Podcast. Today's guest is Larry Hagner of The Good Dad Project. He is also host of the Dad Edge Podcast, and he is the founder of the Dad Edge Alliance. Larry Hagner is somebody who has a very powerful story. He's somebody that I am uh, quickly growing very fond of and just really enjoy talking to the guy because he's very knowledgeable, very successful, has a lot of experience in just life and becoming a good person, and he has spent his entire career developing a system and developing a coaching business centered around helping dads become the best versions of themselves just as men in general. And I think it's such a powerful thing that's going on in the coaching space right now. I mean, as most people know, there's coaches for everything, coaches in life, coaches in business, coaches in fitness and nutrition and so many different things. And the dad niche, I guess you could call it, or the uh, development, the personal development of men even, um, is becoming a very well-known and big component of coaching because there's so many guys out there that are confused about entrepreneurship, about relationships, about their fathers, about becoming a father, about so many different things, so many things that I hold near and dear to my heart because I have experienced them, I've had my troubles with them, and I've overcome a lot of those things as well, doing many of the same practices that Larry is coming on the show to talk to us about. But it's really cool to have somebody who has been through it all with his father, um, a very good story, a very powerful story on that end. He has four sons of his own. He runs his own online business. He hosts masterminds. He hosts workshops. He does coaching calls. He does group coaching. He does a lot involved with the dad space, with the men entrepreneurial space, and it was really cool to have him come on the show, give his expertise, give his experiences, and really give his philosophies on how to become the best version of yourself, specifically for dads, but anybody listening to this show, whether you're male, female, dad, not a parent at all, you are going to learn a lot on this podcast. You're going to take away a lot of how you can be the best version of yourself, and I think that's the most important message that we nailed home today. So if you guys enjoyed this episode... You know you can do me one huge favor, and I always mention it, obviously the given. Please go leave me a five-star rating and review because it really does help us grow the show. It helps us go higher in um, iTunes, clearly. But the other thing I want to mention to you guys that I also usually mention is getting us on your Instagram story. We would greatly appreciate it. It's the easiest way for us to reach more people for free and to help more people through this podcast, get them better results, whether we are talking specifically about becoming a better person through personal development or we're talking about fitness and nutrition specifically. So what you can do right now is take a screenshot of the show. If you enjoy it, tag myself at Cody.BoomBoom and tag Larry at the, the dad edge, all one word. Post it on your story. Tag us both. Let us know what you love about the show. We would love to talk to you. We would love to see who we are helping. And we would love to see if you guys are enjoying the content that we are putting out. So without any further ado, let's get on to this amazing episode with my good friend, Larry Hagner of The Good Dad Project. Cool, man. So the first thing I want to ask you is uh, it's always a funny question that I get. And you run an online business, so it might be kind of funny or awkward when you have to explain this to family, friends, or in-laws or anything like that the first time they ask. But what do you do? <laughs> it's actually not awkward, believe it or not. I think before I knew what I was doing, it was awkward because I was like, eh, I, I don't know, like help men be better men and me suck not so bad myself, you know, all <laughs> at the same time. <laughs> but really what I think if I, if I can encapsulate it, men tend to operate in five dimensions. Those dimensions are financial, uh, in our marriage, in our health, with our kids, and how we provide. Those five things. 
if you think about how a man's brain operates, how his heart operates, his soul, all those things. And by the way, health encompasses physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual. So right. all those things kind of subgroups. If you look at what any man is wanting, what we're wanting to be better at. And then the other thing too is what we want to share to help other men be better. It's always in those five dimensions. So what I do is, is we help men optimize those five dimensions. But I will say this, every man comes to the table with strengths in one or two of those, those dimensions. And then usually that same man is struggling in two or three. And that's, that's really, really common. So we have guys like, so for instance, we have really, really fit guys, but their financial situation might be a wreck. Or we'll have really fit guys and their finances are great too, but their relationships with their wife and kids are just total mess, right? And then we have guys who are just making bank, right? They're just, money's not a problem, but their health is just, you know, has gone to hell in a handbag, right? So what men really want to do is they want to, they want to optimize all five of those. So I would say as far as what the podcast does, what our mastermind groups do, what we do, what I do, is we just help men find those opportunities where they want to improve. And then we give them the tools and the skills to do that. But then men love to contribute too. So we're like, hey, you're really good at fitness. And what you can do is help those men who are speaking up and saying, hey, I'm having issues with eating right or getting to the gym or taking care of myself. Time and guilt is not on my side. You can pour into those men and help them. So that's what we do. How do you teach people how to balance all that? Like you said, I mean, you run into people who just dominate one specific category and then they fall short in the others. How do you teach them how to spread themselves out and uh, learn how to optimize each category versus just one? There is no such thing as balance. And I think when you came on my show, you shared that with me. Um, and I, I don't, I don't tell a man, Hey, you can be balanced because it's, it's impossible. It's, it's a, if you're in, if you're in a season where you're really focusing on your business, I'm sorry, but your health and your family will probably suffer. Right. And if you're in that situation where you're really focusing in on your family, your business will probably suffer a little bit. So things like that, the, the, the opportunities that we help men with is how do you be the most effective with the small amount of time that you have? So like, I don't think if you want, if your goal is to be like, well, I'd ra I want to spend more time with your family, with my family. I think if you ask any man, like, do you want to spend more time with your family or do you want to increase the amount of intention and purpose you spend with your family. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, that's what I want. Well then the quality, the, the quantity of time doesn't really matter. So perhaps maybe your goal of more time and that's what gives you quote unquote balance is not realistic. However, if you have an hour to spend with your kids, you can either zone out and watch the football game next to them or you can turn the TV off and play a board game with them, you know, and, and make those memories or take them out to breakfast or take them on a hike. Or what we like to do too in our family, we like to work out together. Like my boys and I like to work out together. So it's one of those things where we're together, we're, we're building the relationship, we're team building each other. So it's not necessarily the getting back to your question, the balance. It's like, what time do you have? How can we optimize that time? I love that, dude. So let's, before we get too far into exactly how you do this for men, let's go back to your story so we can get some context behind it. How did this all start for you? Was there ever like a trigger or a situation that caused you to stop, reflect and be like, man, I need to get my shit together or how did it all begin? Yeah. So I, I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I, I did have one of those Jerry Maguire moments where, um, where I, I, 
had a sort of like an epiphany where I basically had a low point, not an epiphany. I just, where I was like, wow, I really suck at this and I need to be better. But before all that, you know, I was born in 1975. My mom and dad were married in 1971. Right after I was born, they got divorced and I had no recollection of my biological father. My mom got remarried when this, this is a funny story for you. So when I was four, uh, I was in preschool and I remember dads coming to the preschool to pick up their kids. And I remember, I kind of knew what a dad was, but in my mind, you know, moms went out and found dads. That was, that was my four-year-old brain at work. And I was just like, oh, you know, my mom just hasn't found us a dad yet. The very first time my mom brought home a man to have dinner with us, it was a guy at work that she was dating. I'll never forget this. I will never forget this. This guy walks in our house. It's 1979. He's got the 1970s handlebar mustache. He's got the double Windsor tie because he was a white collar guy. Three-piece suit, the vest. I even remember it was a navy blue pinstripe suit. Had a blue tie with, with white polka dots on it and a blue shirt, a light blue shirt. And he had a trench coat on, briefcase, because there was no iPads. And my mom introduced me to him. And the first question I asked this guy, because when he walked in, I was like, oh my God, she did it. We have a dad. So my first question was like, are you going to be my dad? So it's like super awkward, super awkward moment. And, you know, I just remember my mom being really embarrassed and him like not knowing what to say. They got married. They were together for until I was 10. Really nice guy, heavy drinker. Uh, unfortunately, he was just mentally and physically abusive. Uh, my mom, I, I won't go into all the details, but um, for the next two years, my mom was single, dating different men. Uh, so I kind of father figures, sort of, not really. But every guy my mom dated and married up until the point I was 21 years old was always a heavy drinker, partier, sort of toxic, you know, so that was my father figures growing up. When I was 12, I ran into my biological father. And just for the sake of time, I won't go into the detail of how, but we, we met. And I remember at that time I was two years without like a stable dad. And I just, I wanted a dad so bad in my life. He had been married for quite a few years already. Um, I think he was married for seven years already, had a two-year-old son, another one on the way. We hung out for a few months and then he kind of had the dear John talk with me, which was like, Hey, you know, my life is complicated. Like I just, you know, I don't really want to mess things up. And so we, we parted ways. So here I was 30 years old now. So 18 years later, I'm sitting in a Starbucks here in St. Louis. My first son was on the way. I was married for two years. I was sitting in there with a coworker of mine who's also a good friend of mine. And who do I see walk through the door? My dad, my dad, dad, the one from 12 years old, the one who, you know, biological, all that stuff. And I was like, I knew who he was. He didn't look much different, just a little rounder, a little older, a little less hair. And I was like, oh my God, that's my dad over there. And the girl that I was with, the one I worked with, she was like, oh, are you serious? Like, what are you going to say to him? I was like, I'm not going to say a word to this guy. Like, what, what am I going to say? Like, yeah, I'm having a white chocolate mocha. What are you going to have? <laughs> so, so anyway, she walks over to him, brings him over. We meet again kind of reunite, won't go into the detail, but here we are 13 years later. Uh, we have a relationship. I have two younger half brothers get along. Great. He's been married to the same woman for almost 40 years. Um, just we, we have a good relationship as far as like a friendship and a mentorship. And you know, we pick each other's brains on business and that kind of thing. He's actually, I make him sound like a bum. He's actually a very successful, uh, entrepreneur. It does really well in business. Uh, you know, just he think he's owned his own business now for 38 years. So, you know, here we are, we're 13 years into this. And my viewpoint of it is, is like, Hey, you know, I just, I don't know how much longer I have with him. He's 70 years old and we're just enjoying the time that we have together. 
back to your question of like, where did this take me? So I knew all the things that I experienced growing up. So like physical abuse, mental abuse, you know, like just crazy chaos, lots of drinking craziness. I was like, okay, check that off. I'm not going to be doing that to my kids and proud to say that I don't. Uh, however, I was like, but I have no idea what to do. Like I didn't like when I look back, I'm like, wow, like if I could look back on how did my dad handle that? I don't know. I don't really have one. So when my, in 2012, my boys were six and four, my two that I had at the time, I have four now. I just was floundering terribly and I did not have work-life balance at all. I threw all my time into my career because that's what made me feel good. I was good at what I did um, and that's where I got validation. Uh, I didn't give a whole lot of TLC to my marriage. So that was floundering a little bit. Uh, connection with my kids. I was your typical guy that we serve now. Very little patience, hot temper, get pissed off at the drop of a hat, internalized everything, lived my life isolated and alone, even though I was surrounded by people. I was really good in acquaintances, not so good at deep friendships, just like the regular guys are. And that's a recipe for disaster. And I finally got up to the point where my son was four he messed up this room that I was trying to put together and pack because we were moving. And I told him, whatever you do, don't go in there and pull out your toys. It'd take me like three, four hours to pack up all this stuff. He went in there, just everything was a wreck. I got pissed. I spanked him. He actually hit the ground. And I was like, oh my God, like, what am I? I'm doing exactly what I said I wouldn't do. You know, here I am. So I went into my office. I was emotional and I was like, there's got to be a better way. I don't know what that way is, but there's got to be a better way. And at that point in time in 2012, I was like, I'm just going to learn every, just like my job, like learning how to be a better, you know, in my industry, salesperson in my industry, I need to be a better person, a better dad, better husband. I don't know what that looks like, but I'm going to figure it out. So I started the Good Dad Project Facebook page and just decided, hey, every day I'm going to go in here. I'm going to learn something. I'm going to learn something new every day and I'm going to share it in this page. And then that's what got me started on it. And then 2013, started the blog, 2015, started the podcast, 2015, wrote my first book. Um, and 2016, we launched uh, the Dad Edge Mastermind Program, Dad Edge Alliance Mastermind Program. We've been helping men ever since. Um, and it's still, still a learning process, man. It just never stopped learning. Like every day, there are new challenges. So there's a lot to unpack with that. And I want to kind of like, it's a great story. And, and I think so many people are going to relate. Um, and I think more people are going to subconsciously relate because there's a lot of people that haven't recognized some of the things that you were talking about and the type of person you were and the, the way you were acting. And I think a lot of us guys do that without even realizing it. Um, so my first question going back to your father would be, did you have built up resentment or were you, cause from the story, it sounded like, man, you were open to it. He's in coffee. Like, Hey, how's it going? Let's have a relationship. But most people would be like, man, you have been gone my whole life. You came into my life again. And then you left again. Like most people would probably have a big wall up and it didn't sound like you did, but I want to kind of dig into that to see if there was any hardship or struggles to allow that relationship to become one again. Yeah. So I'm sure you've heard of the 80, 20 rule, right? Absolutely. Yeah. 20% of your clientele will run 80% of your business, all that. Um, so I'll, I'll reference what the 80, 20 rule probably means to me. And I, I, I've never used that analogy until just now, but it, it came to mind when you said that. So yeah, I would say in the beginning, like I was not really nice. I wasn't cold, but I wasn't open. Like I wasn't like, yeah, this is awesome. I was more like, you know, I was kind of like, well, I don't know where this is going to go. 
And I'll never forget the very first time I sat down and had breakfast with him. So we're sitting across from each other and we're trying to make small talk. And in the back of my mind, it's like, I don't even know. I don't know what to do about that. I don't know where to go with this. Like all these questions were in my head. And finally I just stopped. I was like, look, hang on. I don't know what to say to you. I don't know how to do this. I don't know what the next step is. Um, I don't want any money from you. I'm not looking for anything. I don't even know what to do, you know, with this. Like, is this going to stop at breakfast? Is this, are we going to try to hang out? Like, what does this look like? And he looked at me and he goes, you think I know the answer to that? And that immediately put my dad on a very human level with me of like, wow, he doesn't know either, you know? Cause I think we always look to our parents and our dads and moms like, Oh, they know the answer. And in reality, they probably don't, you know, they're making it up as they go to, they might be, they might have more life experience, but they might not know. So resentment, I, I, I'm not going to lie. Uh, let me talk about resentment first and then forgiveness later. And so I would say resentment, 20% forgiveness, 80%. There's still that thing in the back of my mind. And I, and I purposely try to just, I purposely ignore it for the most part. Every now and again, it likes to show up and give me a little tap on the shoulder. But there are things like when my dad is talking about past experiences with my brothers. Oh, when we did this and we went camping and we went fishing and when we did this and we went on these trips and I've coached their teams and I, there's that part of me, it's like, man, like why couldn't we have that? You know, even if it was from a distance, even if, and there's that part of me where I look at all four of my boys and I'm like, there's nothing in this world. I tell my wife all the time, if you, if something ever happened to me, uh, me and you, you couldn't keep me from these kids. There's no power in this universe that would keep me away from them. Um, and I don't understand that choice. I still don't, but I've been, I think what my dad did was, is he tried to make the best decision he could at the time with the information that he had. And that's where the forgiveness part comes in. You know, so I've decided on a very purposeful and conscious level, like, look, whatever happened in 1987, that's what happened in 1987. And I can either focus in that and punish him for that now and make our time together terrible for both of us. Or I can be like, you know what? We can enjoy this or it can suck. So I'm going to choose to enjoy it. You know, it's the whole thing where people are trying to find their happiness. Man, you've, you've got to find the happiness in where you're at versus where you're going to go. And that's really the decision I made. I was like, just gonna, I'm going to have to find my happiness with this and let these feelings just sort of, these, they're going to they're be over here. I'm going to focus in here. So there, something that keeps coming to my mind as you go through all these scenarios, and I assume this has got to be something that you uh, put into practice with the guys in your mastermind and in the data alliance and everything. How do you consistently identify these feelings, emotions, actions, thoughts, and almost separate yourself from them? Because I've done some things in the past where there are exercises that almost make me have kind of like an out-of-body experience to judge the situation separately so I can make a rational decision and then move on in a positive way. And it sounds like you do that consistently because you have this resentment, but you step back, you think about his choices, why he may have made those choices, how to forgive him. Do you have practices or anything that you can give for advice to people to, to be able to do that same thing? Yeah, I think so. It, obviously a lot of your listeners are fitness related, right? Mm -hmm. So obviously looking to make their lives better, you know, and fitness is maybe a foundational tool for that. 
And I think if you can look at your relationships the way you look at your nutrition, so in other words, like there's a part of me that's tempted to go down that rabbit hole of resentment and a grudge and that kind of thing. It's no different than me. Look, I love potato chips. Don't put a bag of potato chips in front of me. I'll eat them, right? So, so I think it really boils down to discipline. Am I going to choose to have potato chips or even have potato chips in my reach? Or am I going to be more disciplined? And when I go to the store, I'm going to buy these nutritional foods and focus in on how good I feel, the better sleep that I'm getting, the lower body fat, how much more confident I feel when I'm naked with my wife, you know, how much more confident when I, do I feel in my clothes? You know, how, you know, am I, am I, am I glowing like in front of people? Do I feel good or am I just putting crap in my body? Feel weighed down. I feel nasty. You know, I'm overweight. I'm caffeinated up, you know, dehydrated, all those things. I feel like that's what resentment does to you. It, it puts in all that crap, all that junk food, dehydration, too much caffeine, all that stuff. When you're putting better things in your body, right, it, it spills over into your emotions, it spills over into your mentality, it spills over into your relationships, your productivity at work, all that stuff. So I think you have to be very, to answer your question, you have to be very disciplined to focus in on all the good things that you're chasing versus the things that, you know, that, that, will hold you back and a grudge will hold you back. So I think it boils down to discipline, gratitude, and chasing the things you want versus running away from the things you don't. Were there any groups that you were a part of along the way to help shift your mindset? I mean, I asked you if you had a trigger and you said you did, you kind of had that situation with your son and spanking him. And I'm assuming that was kind of a light bulb, but it's never a situation of like, I'm good now. Like I understand the path and I'm going to follow this righteousness. Usually it's, there's a continual grind. There's usually reaching out to people. And I'm just curious along your journey, did you have mentors? Did you have leaders? Did you join groups? Like what did you do personally? So I didn't have a lot of guidance growing up. And what I did was, is I was very, 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 still am very hungry for guidance, very hungry for a point in the right direction. I used to be very hesitant to pay for masterminds, to pay for uh, coaches, to pay for mentors. Now, I, I don't look at that as a cost anymore. I look at that as what is it costing me if I don't learn this information as quickly as I can? That is way more costly. And it's way more frustrating because trying to figure it out on your own is it is so frustrating. Same thing with you, you know, and your clients, right? Same thing with fitness. You can either go try to figure it out on your own and bang your head up against a wall, or you can decide, all right, I am just going to surrender my ego, understand I don't have this all figured out, and I want someone to point me in the right direction. Doing that one thing before you even hire somebody is so liberating because you're like, you know what? I'm going to allow, I'm going to, I'm going to allow myself to be educated by someone else's knowledge that far surpasses mine. So answer your question. I went to conferences. So I went to like unbeatable mind with Mark divine. I went to UPW with uh, Tony Robbins. I hired um, coaches. I joined uh, Aaron Walker's mastermind, which is ISI iron sharpens iron. Um, it was then that I decided, okay, I'm going to do this. Um, for fathers. So I, in 2016, I, I, we came up with the data edge mastermind, uh, program. And that for me, not only for the guys who come and do masterminds with us, but for me, I was just like, it gave me that tribe too, even though I was facilitating, 
it gave me that tribe to go and ask questions of men who knew the answers in other areas, like those five dimensions that maybe I didn't. And I continually learn from guys in our mastermind. So it's, it's an ongoing educational experience. You mentioned the word tribe, and I want to bring that up because I've read a lot about this, but it wasn't until I felt like I was a part of a small tribe that I got not necessarily addicted, but I really bought into masterminds and mentorship because I, I found so much value in the accountability of just being associated with a small group of men, right? It was just so powerful to me. What do you feel like is the biggest thing stopping guys from buying into that or making a leap or committing to finding accountability and finding these groups? Because I feel like that's really the, where you can bridge the gap to finding this path towards powerment. Um, but a lot of guys stop short and they don't join these groups. They don't find mentorship. What do you feel like is holding them back? Ego. And a lot of guys think of ego as like, Oh, like I'm better than you, that kind of thing. Ego will, if you've ever read the book, uh, ego is the enemy by Ryan holiday. Um, we're actually, we're actually going through that right now in our mastermind community for the month of November. Uh, ego can show up in so many ways. It can show up in most of the time what your ego is doing is it's trying to protect you from things, right? It's a defense mechanism. So you don't necessarily have to deal with the reality that you don't know the answers or those types of things. So like, for instance, ego can show up in an annual review with your boss. Your boss is trying to help you grow, trying to help you become better. And, but usually our ego, we, as soon as we hear some critical feedback, immediately we want to go into defense mode and protect what we think is right. When really what our boss is usually trying to do is like, Hey, I just want you to grow as an employee, as an individual trying to develop you. That's really what your supervisor should be doing. Anyway, they shouldn't be managing you. They should be developing you. Developing is where you point out blind spots, weaknesses, and strengths. Those three things. So I think for men, number one, where ego shows up the most is asking for help. We have such a wrong, we, we lie to ourselves in such a profound way of what asking for help looks like. Most of us think, well, if I ask for help, people are going to know that I don't have it all together. Let me let you in on a secret. Nobody has it together. Nobody. Get that out of your head. Nobody has it all together. But together, we can have it all. And I'm not trying to be cheesy about it. But when you get men in the same room together who are like-minded, who are growth-minded, focused, and this guy has a certain strength and a weakness, and this guy has a certain strength and a weakness, but they both complement each other, it is profound what you will learn from each other, right? So if I have a financial whiz-bang over here, but maybe he's not so great with his health, but I'm a really fit dude, but my, my finances are in shambles, what do you think that relationship does for those two men? Compliments the hell out of it, Right? Now imagine gathering 10 men like that together. That's what most guys don't think about when they think about the liber- the, liberating themselves from the agony of where they're at now. Their ego is keeping them from asking for help, which on the other side of asking for help is a much more fulfilled life, a much more easy life because it's almost like driving from, where do you live? I live in Seattle. Okay. You live in Seattle. I live in St. Louis. It's almost like me getting in a car and trying to find your house with no map, no Siri, no Google, no nav, no nothing. I'm just going to drive Northwest and hopefully I'll run into your house. How frustrating is that? Because I don't want to stop and ask for directions. 
because then people will know, hey, I don't know where I'm going. It's the same thing. But when you stop and ask for directions, man, how, how much more, how much less anxiety, frustration, and stress do you feel when you're like, oh, I know where I'm going? So it, it's, it's night and day. Same thing with what, what we do. Same thing with what men go through. I love that, man. I think it's so important for people to realize even just what you said about nobody has it all together. And even looking at the people you look up to who we put on a pedestal in our head, like at one point they didn't know what they knew. They weren't where they are now. Like we all started at a low point and we need to work together to build up. I love the way you put that. I want to shift gears and talk about marriage and relationships and, and things like that a little bit too, because I've heard you talk about it a lot on your podcast. And I think it's a very important part of this. Um, something I learned from a lot of my mentors is, you know, everything can be on point. You could be meditating, you could be taking care of yourself, you could be training hard, being fit, business going through the roof. But if you have stress in a relationship, everything is going to crumble at some point. So you need to prioritize that. And I want to talk about the love languages because you've talked about that quite a few times. Um, can you briefly describe to listeners what that is and, and why that was an important thing for you to look into? Yeah. So if you, uh, you know, quoting Sean Stevenson here from Model Health Show, I'm not sure if any of your listeners know who he is, but he, he's also a good friend of mine. Uh, he lives here in St. Louis. Uh, we've known each other since 2011. I knew Sean before he was Sean, like everybody knows him now, right? Uh, still a good dude and still a great guy and all that. Um, however, uh, Sean has done several shows on the biggest impact that anybody has on their health is the relationships that are around them. So if you think about it, uh, human beings are community beings, always have and ever, always will be. If you really want to torture a human being, put them in isolation. If yeah. any of your listeners have ever seen Shawshank Redemption, where you get put in the hole for 30 days and then another 30 days, that is mental torture. It's one of the worst tortures is to put someone in isolation because we thrive in tribes. We thrive in community. So um, getting back to uh, your question, what was your question? <laughs> I went out of time right there. The, the, the love languages. How yeah, important yeah. was that? Yeah. So relationships and love languages. So in order to build your relationships, right? So love languages, everybody has a different love language. And for those of your listeners who don't know, Gary Chapman wrote a book called The Five Love Languages. The love languages are physical touch, words of affirmation, quality time, acts of service, and gifts, receiving gifts, like actual materialistic gifts, that kind of thing. Uh, for the most part, men are usually wired for physical touch, words of affirmation. It's usually how we feel the most love. Women, they could be all over the place. What I've seen the least though is gifts, which is kind of funny because we're going into that season where everyone thinks they need to give gifts, which yeah. our family has a different tradition where uh, on my dad's side where no one gives each other gifts. We sit down and write each other a heartfelt letter. Man, I would much rather somebody put, you know, a few minutes of time into reflecting upon the year and what they think about our relationship and us and that kind of thing versus like wrapping up something from coals, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, but you have to understand, like, if you want to get, if you want to talk about marriage and then I'll talk about kids, you have to understand how your wife receives love. Here's the other mystery. She might not even know, but all the while you're, what you're, what your what our default is is to love our women in our own love language. So, like for instance, most guys are physical touch, words of affirmation. So we don't hesitate. Yeah, to hug them, kiss them, get all up on them, right? And then uh, you know we're complimenting them. You're so beautiful. You know you're this, you're that. And all the while, sometimes if our women, if that's not their love language, then they're like, he just doesn't get me. 
He just doesn't understand me. He's so self-centered, you know, and you're like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm just poor and loving to you, poor and loving to you. And her love language might be like my wife, acts of service and quality time. So if I want to make my wife feel really loved, I can help around the house more. You know, she's like, when you, when I take something off her plate, she's like, oh my God, that's awesome. Because to her, a lot of guys think of like, oh, I'm kissing her ass. It's chores, right? Like, okay, I'll check that. To her, that's like, you're taking something off my plate to make me feel lighter, to make me feel better. I don't feel so bogged down. I don't feel so stressed out. And I feel like you really love me. Like you're thinking of what I'm, what I have to do. So you're helping me to them. That that's love. The other thing too, like my wife is quality time. So if I'm on my phone while we're out on a date night and she's talking to me, Oh man, that's like a slap in her face. My wife is really low drama, really low maintenance. So she won't openly tell me, Hey, can you get back to us? Like, she'll just be like, Oh, he's, it's fine. You know, whatever. And, but like, if I ask her, she'll tell me, she's like, yeah, actually, you know, when you get on your phone, it, it kind of hurts my feelings. And I'm like, really? Why? She's like, well, cause like, I know you're not really here. You're not really listening to me and I, I need to connect with you. And she, she boiled it down to me like this. She's like, when you're on your phone, when I'm talking to you, I never say anything cause it's, it's you and it's, I know you're busy and that kind of thing. However, to me, it feels like if you were to come up to me and make a sexual advance and I take my hands and push you away, like that's how it feels. And I'm like, wow, really? She's like, yeah, kinda. And I'm like, damn. So every time she's talking to me and I'm on my phone, like I'll think of that analogy and I'm like, all right, I need to put this down and really, you know, key into what she's saying. And what I've noticed is when my wife feels loved, then she knows my love language and, and, it's so much more intense and incredible and awesome. Here's the other thing though. Most men and most women don't even know on a conscious level what their love language is. There's a test online. If you just Google love languages test, it'll come right up. You take like, I think it's a seven minute test and it'll come up what you, what you are. And when you see the results, you'll be like, huh, no wonder. Our intuition and our, our subconscious knows what our love language is, but a lot of times on a conscious level, we don't. We're just loving other people in our love language just automatically. So once you know, then you can be like, hey, babe, like check this out. Here's my love languages. That way she knows. Now she's got the information on how to love you. And then when she takes it, she'll be like, wow, no wonder. And then you can talk about like, man, no wonder you don't understand me. Well, no wonder you don't understand me. Well, let's make it a, a point to to pour into each other the way the other person needs to feel loved. And, and kids, I won't go into kids just for the sake of time, but kids are the same way. You need to know what their love language is. And usually it's pretty obvious because they'll, they'll be really into whatever moment. Like my 10 year old is physical touch and quality time. So he loves to sit on your lap. He loves when you rub his back and he, he's got three other brothers to share time with. He feels so special and so amazing when you just take him out for to do whatever, just you and him. I love this dude, man. I think it's so important for people here. And it was a game changer for me. I know because it's the same exact situation. I'm touch and affection and words of uh, affirmation and she's acts of service. But for me, like it could be a mess. I don't really give a shit. She'll come up and clean my office and everything. And I just don't even notice. I'll just, you know, go about my day. But it wasn't until we took this test that I actually made it a priority. Like, okay, I'm going to clean. I'm going to do dishes. I'm going to try to help her out because I'm the same way. I'll leave her a note. I'll touch her. And I think that's perfect, but it wasn't. Um, and then I was actually going to ask you about kids. So I'm glad you touched on that real quick. It's not something that you usually would say, Hey son, 
take this love language test. So right. Is it just about kind of just trying to notice their habits and see what reaction they get? Maybe being acknowledgeable about these four things are the categories. Let me try each one and see what he responds best to. Yeah. So I think, I think kids like eight and younger, you just sort of key in on behaviors that mean the most to them. So like I've, I've, I can only answer up until 12 years old because that's the only thing I have experience with. Maybe a 13 year old could take the test. I don't know. But like, so for instance, my five-year-old, he is physical touch. I don't know. And he, I think he's words of affirmation because anytime you compliment him, he gets so freaking giddy. Like it's like the sun, the moon and the stars for him. He just gets so excited. Um, and then he always wants, I always, I joke with my wife. I was like, my lap is never my own ever. There's either my five-year-old or my 10-year-old on it at all times. And sometimes it's kind of annoying, but I try to take it in as like, okay, they're not going to sit on my lap forever. And if they did, it'd be awkward. So, so, but like my, my five-year-old always wants to be on my lap. And so I know he's physical touch. My 12-year-old, I don't think he's physical touch. In fact, um, he's an affectionate kid, but, but his is God by far. Words of affirmation. You compliment him. It means the world to him. He's almost one of those kids where I, I wouldn't say he doesn't like being touched, but man, he never, like sometimes if I rub his arm, he'll kind of like do one of these, like he's like, ah, kind of tickles, you know, like even though I'm just like rubbing it with my whole hand, I'm like, that tickles? He's like, yeah. So I, I think for him, it's like a tactile thing. So it's like for him, physical touch is maybe more of like, it's distracting for me. But words of affirmation, like complimenting him on his grades or, you know, his, it was something he did well or something like that. And then, you know, yeah, I think you, you can eat or you can ask them. The other thing too, is I've asked them, Hey, when I give you a gift or we go and have breakfast together, what feels the best? And if a kid doesn't hesitate and be like, oh, I love when we go to breakfast, then, you know, like, I mean, how cool is that? Stuff is not that big of a deal to them. Sometimes we think, Oh, it's toys and stuff and phones and gadgets and electronics. And it might not even be that important to a kid. They might like it for like five minutes after you give it to them because they're excited. But after that, they're like, yeah, you know, but if you do something that really pours into them, there's one other thing I'll say too. If you do the opposite, if you reprimand a child, um, contrast to their love language. So like if a kid is physical touch and you hit them, it's hard to erase that off the hard drive. They remember that and it hits them hard. No pun intended. The same thing with a kid of words, words of affirmation, you verbally put them down. That crushes them, crushes them. So you gotta be really careful. It's great to know the love languages, but you also have a very delicate balance. When you know the love languages, you know how to love them, man. You better not be too severe when you go to reprimand or discipline because what you're doing could be incredibly detrimental, you know, to somebody. Man, that is a extremely good outlook. I've never thought to even just reverse the love language to know the negative effect it could have. And I think one thing I'm taking away from what you're saying just with your relationship with your kids that I think everybody needs to hone in on is you can't do any of this unless you're extremely present. And it sounds like you are extremely present with your kids. And that's the only way you'll actually know these things and know how to parent them and know how to have positive relationships with them. Um, so it's great hearing that. And I think for people listening, like make sure you take note of that because that's the foundation of all of this, right? Like being present, having that, that time. Um, I want to ask one more thing about the love languages. Do you have any habits or things that you do to 
consistently uh, focus on these things. And, and I ask that because I know even in personal experience, I learned that it was acts of service for my fiance. And I was like, oh, totally makes sense. I'm going to like put reminders. I'm going to start doing the Swiffer on the hardwood floor so she's happy. And then I just slowly forgot about it, but I'd still leave her notes and touch and do things like that because that's my natural uh, mode for myself. Do you have things that you do to make sure that you stay on the ball? I wish I could give you like a structure, um, but here's what I do with my wife. Um, so there will be times when uh, <laughs> she'll be doing the dishes and like, you know, I'll see her from behind and I'm just like, oh, damn, like I want some of that. You know what I mean? So like, and I want to be all like, I want to love on her. Right. So like when I see her, I'm triggered. So, it, but I have to remind myself, okay, she's not loved by me groping on her. She's loved by while she's doing the dishes. I'll do something, you know, I'll, I'll dry. If she's emptying the dishwasher, I'll go over and I'll help. If she's cleaning up the kitchen, I'll go over and I'll help, you know, and that would be my trigger to be like, I'm not going to get up in her business while she's cleaning because then she's like, I'm cleaning and I know you want something from me. You know, now she's like, Oh, we're together on this. Like, I feel you're helping me. Like I feel loved no different than if I'm cleaning, man, I don't want her to help me clean. I want her to come, come up behind me and, and, and turn me around and like start getting up all me. Right. So that's what I, I don't want her to help me. So like, I think you have to know like, okay, when you feel that trigger to love your wife, the way you want to love her, remind yourself, well, how does she need to receive love? Let me do that first and then worry about that other stuff later. As far as with kids, it's, if you have multiple children, like I do multiple boys, <sighs> I was, I was talking to my wife about this. I feel like I'm always letting somebody down. I feel like I'm always saying no to somebody, which sucks. It's very defeating. So if I say yes to taking my 10 year old out to breakfast because he loves quality time, I'm saying no to the other three and my wife. If I say yes to my 12 year old and I start doing Krav Maga together. If I say yes to taking my 12 year old to Krav, I'm saying no to taking my 10 year old to wrestling. And it's like, it's hard for kid, for parents of multiple children to have it all. I think what you have to do, and it's probably just a good reminder for myself, is like, okay, next Saturday, I'm taking Ethan, my oldest, to Krav. So that means what I should do on Wednesday is I should take my 10-year-old out to breakfast. And while we're watching TV together as a family, I'll put my five-year-old on my lap, rub his back. And so I think you have to put... You have to be very, very intentional and very, very purposeful to know how do each one of these kids feel love and how do I, again, I use this word carefully, balance, balance that the best way you can be like, okay, if I'm going to do this thing with this kid, then I'm going to make sure I do this thing. And you got to be very specific about it with this kid, right? And I think, again, if I take my 12-year-old to Krav Maga on Saturday and gifts is not a love language from a 10 year old, but I'm like, Oh, I'll just give him a gift and give it to him on Wednesday. It's not like it's speaking his language. He's like, Oh, okay, cool. I would much rather just hang out with you, but okay. You know, so I think you gotta be really intentional about the decisions you make and make sure if you're doing something for somebody else, schedule something with the other ones or be intentional what you're going to do at that time. I love this man. It's so helpful to hear you run through all these things. And I mean, obviously you have a lot of experience, four boys in one house. I can imagine as a handful. So you've probably <laughs> learned quite a bit over the years. I, I am curious about one last thing just regarding your, the way you go about your day, your week, your month. 
do you have a ritual? Do you have a morning routine? Do you have some way that you structure your day? Maybe you teach the men you work with as well to make sure that you are on top of all of these things. Because a lot of people listening can imagine like, man, I got to, there's so much implemented in the business that we haven't even touched on that I know we could do a two hour podcast on. Then you got to take care of your body, which we haven't touched on a lot. And that's a whole nother area of your life. But then there's four kids. There is your wife. There's all these different aspects, keeping yourself in check and just mentally healthy. Do you have a daily routine, a daily ritual, a morning ritual that keeps you on point and feeling like you can stay motivated to actually stay consistent? Yeah. So I'll be, a, I'll, I'll be the first to admit and raise my hand that I'm like, I suck at consistency sometimes when it comes to that, because I constantly feel like there's a fire somewhere and I need to go put it out. So let me say this. I, I've, it's taken me three and a half years and over 300 podcasts of my own to really be like, okay, what is most important and what fits in my schedule? I don't have an hour in the morning to, so I've, I've learned a few things about myself. I don't like waking up early. I don't. I get up at 6.30. I'm not a 4.30 a.m. or I actually feel worse when I do that. So I'm like 6, 6.30, I'm up. For me, I can't spend an hour doing gratitude. I can't spend, you know, 20 minutes doing meditation. I, I just, I can't at this point. So what I do is my routine in the morning is this, no devices for an hour. So if I get up at six, I don't touch my phone until seven. A lot of times I try not to touch my phone till eight when my kids have left for school. So what I do, what that does is that, that puts me in a very purposeful and intentional non-distracted state, even though I want to go check my phone, see what people need, but that puts me in a more reactive state for the rest of the day. Like, so for instance, like today, I got off that. I woke up later than I wanted to. I started doing things right away. Today, I've been in a more reactive state than I like to be because I'm constantly reacting, right, to the things I need to do. But I think what, so what I do is I, no electronics for an hour. I spend seven minutes quiet time. And within that seven minutes, I do gratitude, I do prayer, and I do meditation and visualization of my day. I literally go through what, what my day is going to look like how I'm going to execute on certain things in my day. I'm also big on whiteboarding. I see a whiteboard in your in the back of your office. I got a whiteboard in mine. I like to write everything down. Yeah, I got multiple. Uh, yeah, it, it helps a ton. Uh, so the first hour, no devices, uh, seven minutes of quiet time, reflection, gratitude, prayer, uh, meditation, visualization. Uh, the other thing too is uh, the last hour of my day is no electronics, uh, and I start to look at my, my day for the next day. I start to visualize my, my day the next following day. One other thing too, that's been, that I started here recently, I've done it now three weeks is no screen Sundays. So I don't, I don't, I don't respond to anything on Sundays, nothing. My phone goes into airplane mode at 9am in the morning and it doesn't go back on until the next morning at 8am on Monday. So about 23 hours of literally, I, I don't know what, what's going on and I don't really care to know. And I think what that does for me is it, it prevents me from getting on what we call the drift. And that's a whole nother topic, yeah. but it keeps me from drifting and it keeps me from burning out. And it allows me to have intentional time on Sundays in particular. And then on Mondays, I'm much more motivated to work that much harder. I'm not burnt out. I'm ready to go. Like, let's, let's do this. I love that, man. I think it's what's important for people. Cause I get this question all the time about morning routines and I'm pretty specific with mine, but I think it's kind of like this is a game and we all got to play it the way we need to play it. So everybody's going to be completely different. It's about shaping your morning to be the most productive possible. And that's going to look different 
with everybody. But one thing I do find in common with myself, with you, and a lot of successful entrepreneurs I know is the hour of no screens in the morning. Um, even if I see a screen, it's not notifications. So I'm not touching email, text, Facebook, Instagram, anything. And that was very powerful for me because like you said, if you wake up and go right to those notifications, those notifications own your day. And that's not a healthy way to get into it. Um, the last question I have for you before we get into um, like what you do, where we can find you and everything is a personality question that I ask all of my guests on the show. And I'm actually really curious to hear your response to this. So the situation you are in is you're at a dinner table and you have three empty seats in front of you. You can have anybody to eat dinner with alive or dead, but they cannot be friends or family. Who is sitting at that table eating dinner with you? Oh man. Oh geez. So <clears throat> I would say, I, I would say Jesus would be one. I, I'd really like to see what he's like, you know, like I've always, um, I've always pictured him as like what I like to call scrawny Jesus, you know, like <laughs> skinny sort of, but you know, the description, when I was at our church this past Sunday, the the pastor gave a real good description. He's like, you know, people think of Jesus as scrawny. Like Jesus was a man's man beard. You know, he was ripped. He was a carpenter. He cut down trees and built things with his hands and like he walked everywhere. The guy was really like, he was burly. Right. And so I'm like, huh, that's pretty interesting. You know, like, so I'd like to, I like to sit across the table from him. I'd have a million questions. Uh, another person I would love to have a conversation with is Bruce Lee. I've always been a fan of Bruce Lee. Great. Uh, yeah. I think he's just fascinating and I'd be real curious to know about his life and um, why he think it maybe ended, you know, and what he did, did he run himself into the ground and what his beliefs were and that kind of thing. And then the other person I would say, <laughs> this will turn some heads, but I think it'd be Hitler because, <laughs> because I would want to be like, dude, what the hell were you thinking? <laughs> you know, I just be like, what? why did your life go in this direction? Like, what the hell happened to you? Like, was this a childhood thing? Was there some shit going on? Like, maybe you need a vent about, you know, we might have to hug it out. I don't know. Like, maybe he'd be in the mindset now that he's gone. Like, he'd be like, yeah, oh, like, I was so screwed up. I don't know what the hell I was thinking. Here's what was going on in my mind then. I learned then. Not that person now. I don't know. But I'd be not, you're not the first person to say Hitler. You're not. That makes me feel better. <laughs> Oh, that's too funny, man. Yeah, somebody somebody said Hitler, and uh, they said the exact same thing to you, but I think they added in uh, his ability to command people or something like crazy. And I was like, I guess that's a good outlook. But yeah, that'd be a Jesus and Hitler sitting next to each other would be an interesting dinner. Yeah, I'd like to see what they say to each other. Exactly. That'd be <laughs> hilarious. Man, right. I, I've had a blast having you on the show, man. There's so many knowledge bombs that you've provided for all the parents listening, all the people listening, really, to just improve their life and their well-being. Um, I can honestly say that you've helped me in this hour that we've been talking, just picking your brain and listening to how you go about your life, your family, your business has really even helped me kind of think crucially about what I am doing on a consistent basis. So I appreciate you for that. Um, but the last thing I need from you is just, just let people know where they can find you, what you offer, um, how they can get involved in the masterminds and all that stuff. Yeah. And for those of you guys who haven't, haven't heard my podcast, uh, I had Cody on mine and man, we had a, we had a great time. Cody's a 26 year old, 50 year old, just so y'all know, <laughs> I, I referred, I, I really enjoyed the conversation because, you know, I, I knew about you, but I hadn't, you know, I, sometimes I like going into those interviews without knowing a whole lot. And because I'm just like, wow, I learned a lot. Like just, um, 
where you, how you've gotten to where you're at at 26 years old is fascinating. And I learned a lot from our podcast as well. Uh, I would say as far as anything um, you're looking for, uh, you can just go to gooddadproject.com. That's still like our mothership website, even though kind of everything now is dad edge, but I would say dad edge is more of a brand under the good dad project. Our podcast is gooddadproject.com forward slash podcast. Uh, if you're looking for, if, if you're, if you're the dad that I described that I was, I still fight him to this day. He still likes to show up every now and again. Uh, that's where we have, that's where we're helping men in those five dimensions that I talked about. And that's our, that's our elite mastermind program, which is, uh, that's our dad edge mastermind, um, dad edge alliance mastermind. You can, uh, we, we only take applications. We don't allow men to just join. So I'll share with you the steps. Um, the application process, you can go to gooddadproject.com forward slash alliance. I've got seven questions for you in there. It just allows me to get to know you, get to know who you are. Uh, after you fill out that application, um, I send you, depending on, depending on the answers, um, I usually, if, if a guy is, I don't think I haven't responded. There's been a couple that I've seen. I'm like, oh, that could be like a major red flag. But for the most part, these are good hearted guys. Um, after you fill that out, I get to know you, I send you my calendar link and we set up a time to actually talk for 20 minutes. Um, a lot of guys I've talked to are kind of taken aback by that. They're like, I can't believe you put this effort in. I was like, well, the Alliance is a crazy personal experience and it's got to start out that way. You have to be a good fit for us and we have to be a good fit for you. So, and it, there's no, we have to build a relationship and that's, that's important. Um, so that's the next step. And then after that, if we're, if you feel good about it and so do I, you register, you become a part of our tribe and, and we rock and roll. I love it, man. That's actually exactly how my coaching goes as far as app applying. And it's funny how many people are shocked that like, wait, we're going to get on the phone for free and, and talk before anything. It's like, absolutely, yeah. man, we got to figure this out. So um, I will link all of that stuff in the show notes just so you guys have easy access to clicking that and going and checking out everything from Larry. Uh, man, once again, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, you bet, man. Thank you for having me. All right, guys, that is a wrap. I hope you enjoyed the show today. A couple quick announcements before I let you go. First and foremost, I just want to encourage you to check out the products I have in the description. First one is the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is a very cheap guide to literally mastering your diet. That's why it's called the All-Inclusive Guide to Mastering Your Diet. It's going to teach you exactly what and how to manage your calories, your macros, your meal timing, your supplements, your micronutrients, literally everything you need to know about dieting and nutrition and how to change your body composition through nutrition is included in this book. Not just to get your results, but to actually teach you how to get those results along the way. The next thing is going to be functional muscle, which is my first and right now my biggest product out there. This is the program that is based on years and years and years of functional training with tons of clients. So whether your goal is strength, fat loss, or muscle gain, you should be strength training towards these goals while prioritizing functional movement patterns to make sure that you are avoiding any injuries along the way. That's exactly what this program does, and it's great because it guides you through the process, it changes throughout the process, and it gives you demonstrations and explanations about everything you're doing so you never get confused and you always have a solution. You also get access into the Boom Boom Performance Podcast Forum. That is the only way into the forum, and that's where you can ask me literally anything about anything, and I will help guide you through the process. Last thing I want to mention, guys, is if you could leave me a five-star rating and review, that would be fantastic because it literally is one of the biggest and best ways for me to grow in the iTunes charts. Oh, yeah, and real quick, if you're not subscribed, 
hit the damn subscribe button because I constantly bust out content for you guys and I spent a lot of time and effort making sure that you guys can get better results for free by simply listening to this podcast. All right, guys. I'll catch you next time.